Hi again, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Goldie on Ice podcast. I am Steve Goldstein. We are in the dead of summer here in South Florida, uh, but a very special guest on this edition of the podcast. We have to always thank our producer, Brett Markowitz. He does a great job. And our sponsors, Sides Foundation, which is fighting pediatric cancer. We'll tell you about them. Uh, Ken Morris and his group uh, involved in real estate in South Florida. And uh, my buddy, Orion, who hates when we say his name on the podcast. So Orion, Orion, Orion. We'll tell you about his management group coming up. All right, let's get right into our, uh, our guest uh, 1,128 NHL games, played from 1995 to 2014. It's a long time. Seven years with the Panthers, um, the first four of his career, and the last three. He was a Panther captain. He's also been on three of the five Panthers playoff teams and uh, a big part of the run to the Cup in 1996. I sound like your agent, so I'm going to stop. He is uh, old number 55, Ed Jovanovski. I didn't mean old. You, you know that, right? I get it. Hey, Goldie. Pleasure to be here. Well, Jovo, it's great to see you. First off, how uh, how are you feeling? How are you doing these days? I'm I'm good, Goldie. I think uh, you know, being a few years removed from the game, um, you know, the first year out, it was it was a tough one, but I think kind of settled into being a full time dad and and taking care of my parental duties. But overall, it's uh, it's been good living down here in South Florida. Uh, nothing to complain about. Everyone's uh, happy and healthy. Can you believe it's the 25th anniversary season of this franchise already? It's unbelievable. Time flies by. You know, I think remember back to, you know, 95, 96, and, um, you know, as the years move on and, and now being a full-time resident here, going back to games, watching, it's, uh, it's amazing that 25 years, we're missing one thing, the cup. I thought I was young back then when I started with the Panthers in my 20s. You were You were really young now. Let's go back to the very beginning because you weren't the typical kid in Canada with a hockey stick and skates, you know, on your feet and in your hands at age three or four, were you? I know. I, I think the most people that I tell my story to, they kind of look at me like I got, you know, something else growing out of my body because they're like, you started at 11. So, yeah, it was uh, my dad was, uh, you know, if I want to go through this story again to tell everyone, it's my dad was a professional soccer player in Europe. So when they came to Canada and had kids, uh, we were playing soccer as uh, as young boys, my brother and I. So when we, you know, at the age of 11, my brother had also had one year of hockey under his belt and I was going to all his games and working the door and being around, the, being a typical rink rat. Um, I said to, the, to my dad, hey, can I give this a go? And he's like, you know, sure. And... Um, things happen so quick, you know, from, from going to my first house league practice to a coach coming to my dad, that practice and saying, Hey, your son's got some size. Does he want to, does he want to try, try out for, uh, for the travel team? And my dad again, looked at the guys like, listen, this guy's, it's his first time on the ice, uh, playing organized hockey. So when he told me as any young kid, you hear we're a travel team, you're all, got, you're all pumped up, you're all excited. So anyway, I took it upon that opportunity. I went and tried it out, made the team. One most improved player that year. Uh, next year, made AAA. And you know, then you started hearing your name floating around a little bit. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, my one dream is to play in the NHL. But from 11 to the age 17 being drafted, you know, it's kind of a six-year gap. Things happen so quick, but... Uh, made me grow up quick and, um, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. What are you thinking when it's going that fast? Because, you know, you're talking about junior hockey in Canada at such a young age. 
and literally every day, if you're getting better and better, uh, what's going through your head at that young age? Is anything going through your mind? I mean, you're only a kid. Yeah, I think you said it there. I, I, I think for us, we're just playing a game we love. Um, you know, for me, it was it was everything was hockey. I couldn't wait to get back on the ice. Um, summertime, I didn't play hockey, though. I was just almost like kind of that winter time and did a couple skills things possibly, and I believe in the summertime I was doing. Um, but I was just, just a young kid, excited, just happy playing the game. And in my wildest dreams, I, I wouldn't think I'd play close to 1,200 games and have the success and plan on, you know, Olympic team and winning gold medal and and playing in all-star games. And so things were were obviously great. Um, I had great teammates, great coaches to, to help me along the way. And, and as you know, being around hockey guys, I mean, this is not an individual sport. I mean, we have so much support, and you can't do it without your teammates. And um, it's almost like we had a great ride, all the guys that I played with. So it was, it was awesome. What were you thinking when you had the success that you did when you get to Windsor? In, in junior hockey, both offensively and your all-around game, you only played there a couple of years before being, you know, the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. Well, that that scenario worked out worked out great. Um, when I was up for my draft year, um, I believe it was Ottawa that was picking number one. Um, they picked Alan McCauley, and Windsor was picking two. So. What a great opportunity. I didn't have to leave mom and dad. I still had the, uh, you know, mom's cooking and, and dad's support. And, you know, I didn't have to transfer schools. I got to stay with my buddies. Um, there was a few times where I remember in class where, you know, I was kind of wandering off into spaces thinking about that game that night. And the, I remember a teacher saying to me, listen, Ed, um, yeah, I think you better focus on your schoolwork because, you know, if hockey doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my English teacher, listen, I said, I'm going to play in the NHL. <laughs> and that's the way it's going to be. But anyway, looking back, my life wasn't disrupted staying at home. It was. It ended up being, the you know, the best thing for me. Um, and to further that in my first year, I brought mom along with me to live with me down uh, you know my first year just so again your life's not turned upside down by paying bills you know worrying about what you're going to eat eating out all the time so she was um you know there for me that way i love you know the numbers in junior 221 penalty minutes 50 points one of those years um and then right to the nhl is the number one overall pick so had you ever been to florida before after you were drafted for the first time when you came down to Florida to play? We used to, we used to take uh, family trips over to St. Pete's. Um, we used to pack up the Chevy Astro, the whole family, do the 24-hour drive and get there, but never, uh, never to this side. Um, you know, when I first got here, I was like, uh, this is going to be fun, you know, playing, playing hockey and, and, and a beautiful place like this. And obviously with the team being so young, I felt my opportunity to – to play uh, full-time as a regular was that much quicker. Um, So things worked out. We're back with Ed Jovanovsky in 60 seconds. Time to tell you about Ken Morris and the Morris Southeast Group, an inaugural sponsor of the Goldie on Ice podcast. And, you know, Ken and the group, well, if you own commercial real estate, looking to lease or purchase, call Ken at 954-240-4400. 
Ken Morris represents buyers, sellers, landlords, and tenants. And I'll tell you this, he's a class guy. He and his family, he's a straight shooter, extremely qualified and knowledgeable. And that's the type of person you want to and you need to deal with. Call 954-240-4400. Ken and the Morris Southeast Group will work with you with your best interests at heart. Hey, he's a South Florida guy. He's got a great reputation. He's been doing this for a very long time. 954-240-4400 for Ken Morris. And by the way, here on the Goldie on Ice podcast, he's a big hockey fan, Panthers season ticket, so we can all relate to him. Again, the number for Ken Morris, 954-240-4400. A message from me about Orion and his company, part of the ground floor here of the podcast. We appreciate that. Hey, he's a friend, and like any good hockey team, you need a good team. And Orion and Associates Management Group, they've got that good team. Great team, in fact, operating out of Hollywood, Florida. Prime subcontractors. So all you prime contractors out there, they provide any construction services needed. Call them today at 954 922 8660. Check them out on Instagram as well at ONA underscore management and the website ONA Management Group.com. Now they also handle hauling, so if you have demolition waste, any non hazardous material, they'll take care of all those trucking needs. More than 25 years of experience, ONA Management has worked with some of South Florida's leading construction companies, and you can trust, I can tell you this, their work and professionalism. The number again, 954 922. 8660. That's 954-922-8660 for Orion and ONA Management. So you arrive in South Florida, a lot of veterans, you know, on, on that team and, and a lot of them with, you know, a chip on their shoulder, they had been let go in an expansion draft. Everybody now knows that, uh, that can carry you after Vegas did what they did this year. But, uh, your early teams kind of did that here in Florida with the Panthers for a number of years leading up to 96. Yeah, I think you, you look at, you know, what Vegas did, and I'm not sure the, the crop was that well, uh, you know, for, for picks as when, when Florida was doing their expansion draft. You look at the rosters, I mean, uh, you know, this year with Vegas with six, seven million dollar players that were, were, you know, left unprotected. But the group of guys that I got to come in with um, was special. I mean, these guys looked after me like my, myself, Red Raddick, um, like little brothers. Um, they never left us alone. Um, they always took care of us, always at home. When things, you know, something was available, they're always offering their homes up for us to come to eat. Um, on the road, we stuck together. And what I, what I really learned from these guys is how hard the work and the passion for the game uh, these guys were were left unprotected. There was um, they wanted to prove something, and we were we were a group of guys with uh, with an all star goalie, um, you know that just worked hard. We're going to beat you by skill. We're going to beat you by being first to pucks and coming out of the corners with pucks and and grinding the walls and and trying to win a game one to nothing. Who in particular, I know you had a whole team full of leaders and Brian Scrudlin was the captain, but who in particular kind of took you under their wing? And, and is there a time you remember where maybe you needed something or maybe something was going on where one particular player, uh, a teammate, did something for you? There, There's so many, but obviously Gordon Murphy was my my first roommate. Um, 
You say that with a smile, by the way. <laughs> I mean, the guy was just kind of by the book, everything. He didn't deviate from much. He was really a solid, down-to-earth guy that really made sure that I was always, you know, on time. Uh, he was nice enough to always make sure my, my tie knot was done properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I look at one um, one scenario. We were at a... We were at an establishment in Montreal um, one one evening, and I remember Ray Shepard had came to the team, and he looked at me, and he's like, I've practiced with this team a few times. Um, this team has the make to do something special. And being a young kid, I was just you know kind of looking at him, at his resume, first excited to, to see him on our team, and you know, I think for him to come into our situation and see how we practiced, uh, see how we prepared for games, uh, he was excited and uh, he called it. I mean, obviously we didn't, you know, finish it off, but it was definitely an unbelievable ride that um, you look back now is pretty mar- remarkable. It's interesting because where do you think that got established? Because that 96 team, you know, Doug McLean obviously was coach before that, Roger Nielsen. Um, you know, was head coach and guys like Lindy Ruff and Dwayne Sutter were on the staff. Um, where did that, you know, when a guy like Ray Shepard comes in who had played for some other organizations says, hey, the way you guys practice, the way this thing is set up, it's set up for success. Where did that start? Because you did change coaches. I, I think a lot of these guys got that from Roger. I mean, you, lo- you look at the system that the team played, uh, very defensive-minded because it had to play that way. I think you tried opening it up with these teams in the NHL, even back then, you know, they beat you. So um, I think Doug was uh, was a perfect first coach, uh, you know, for me. And, um, you know, it was all about scoring goals as well. I, I think people lose sight in that there was guys that, you know, can finish, Scott Mellenby, um, Dave Lowry had an unbelievable playoff that year. I mean, it was crazy what he was doing. Um, but going back to coaching, I, I think Lindy was, for an assistant coach at the time, this guy was so crucial for my development. Good games, bad games. I always had 10 or 15 clips in front of me um, after a game or the next day. And it, it wasn't accessible as it is today now where you guys get iPads on the plane and boom, it's downloaded, downloaded your phone. You can see clips. I mean, it was literally VHS. You're going in there and you're rewinding this thing back and forth and watching clips and actually teaching you along the way. Um, but I think a lot of it uh, has come from Roger and, um, you know, the respect for the game and guys really not taking it for granted, working hard. Okay, that 96 season. So Ray Shepard comes in and says that to you one night in Montreal. But when on the ice, was there a time, do you remember, one or two moments in that season, um, including the rat night, which we'll ask you about, but where you thought, hey, you know what? We got a shot here. It's been so long, Goldie, thinking back. Um, I I missed the first 11 games of that year. And I think when I I came back – I don't think we lost a game in 10 games. I thought this was pretty cool. I mean, this is my first taste of the NHL. I remember my first game being at the Spectrum in Philly. Um, I, I can't look at one moment. I, I, I think we had a well-rounded team, and I think for the most part, if we look back now and look at our five-game segments, which back then five-game segments were involved money, cash envelopes in your locker, 
um, you know, teams had bonus structures for guys. So guys were paying attention to penalty kill percentage, power play percentage, total points, um, you know, because the team's doing well. I mean, everyone's, everyone's uh, you know, reaping the benefits. So um, I, I don't know one area, Goldie. I think the team was just built for success. I think it was just a team that wasn't going to be denied. It's going to work hard and um, see what happens. What was going on in that dressing room when the rats – people start picking up on it and people are throwing rats on the ice. I mean, a kid from Canada who's, you know, just gets here to Florida. It's hockey in Miami. It's 80 degrees and sunny in December. And now there's rubber rats coming out of the stands. It was insane. I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, obviously everybody knows the story with, you know, killing the rat before the game and, and Mel scoring a couple goals that day and then telling his story. Um, but insane. I, I mean, we all know the, you know, the playoffs and, you know, the rats going. But I remember Patrick Waugh, that one picture of Patrick Waugh kind of, you know, backing into the net. And you actually can see the still footage of these raining rats. And then, mind you, with the five million rats that were already on the ice already. So definitely slowed things down. Um, the NHL picked on that pretty quickly. Uh, but it was it was a neat moment, and, and you look to this day. I mean, even when I came back, kind of the rats were, you know, I still th- I believe they do it now. At the end of the game, they th- they they chuck them on the ice. So it was something that this team is associated with, and is going to be there forever. You had the one night a few years ago to honor that team where they gave out rats, and then people threw them during the game. They actually gave the Panthers a penalty. I mean, as uh, as doing what I do, I thought it was awesome. Eat the two minutes. They won the game anyway, but it was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, in in that season, games one and two, you play the Bruins at the Miami Arena. Um, describe what that was like. And you guys put up, you talk about scoring. You scored six goals in the first two games to get that playoff run started and really blew them out in games one and two. Yeah, I, we were, you know, heading into that playoffs, I, I don't think many – you know, analysts gave us kind of really any hope. I think we really we came out wanted something to prove. Um, I remember that um, that games one and two. I had a buddy that was back home that was sick that ended up. I talked to him uh, before game one, and I told him I'd score a goal for him. And I I'd feel bad if it if it you know, I have my games mixed up, but it was game one or two that I know I scored and I ended up pointing up because he had lost his life to cancer. So um, it was a special uh, game in that way, but it was, we we're definitely a team that came out uh, looking to do some damage. In general, what was it like playing at that Miami arena? I know at the time it was, you know, a more normal rink because a lot of rinks were small. I mean, you went to the Boston Garden, places like the Spectrum, uh, you know, Montreal Forum, obviously a fabled place. But what was it like playing in the Miami Arena with the, with those fans? It was great. I remember 14,703 yeah, was, right. a, was, a, was a sellout. And I remember behind, you know, our net, we had kind of the, a visiting team, you know, weather in that town. And, it, and for some reason, the sun never left Miami. It was like 37 miserable in wherever, and it was always 80 and sunny, right? Right. Ours never moved, and we see the uh, the terrible weather up in the north. But um, it, w- it was an intimate arena. Um, it, was, it was loud, and I think the momentum kept going as the team kept heading in the right direction. And, 
and you know the highways that were packed with you know panther uh, rip, uh, flags that were flying around. I remember driving home from a playoff game in my con- in my convertible with fans all following us around. We were like rock stars in this town, so it was uh, it was great. We're going to continue with Ed Jovanovski. We're going to get into the battles with Eric Lindros. How the heck your team beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley Cup final, and some of the. Uh, High-profile coaches that you played for. I'm going to ask you about playing for them. We're coming right back here with Ed Jovanovsky on the Goldie on Ice podcast. An important message now for an important cause, the Sides Foundation. It stands for Sydney's Incredible Defeat of Ewing's Sarcoma. Sydney Lister at age 15 battled the disease, and she beat it. She's doing great. Now, out of the struggle, Sides, the foundation was formed to help fund children's cancer research and help South Florida families with kids fighting the disease. I encourage you and invite you to help the fight along with Sid's dad, Dave Lister. Call him at 954-594-5763. That's 954-594-5763. You can also check out Sides' Facebook page as well. Now, the next Sides event is November 19th. It's a great time. The fifth annual Italian extravaganza at Aqualina Restaurant in Weston. It's a great time for a wonderful cause. Help in the fight against cancer with S-I-D-E-S, Sides Foundation. The number again, 954-594-5763. And thank you. We continue on this edition of the Goldie on Ice podcast. I'm Steve Goldstein. We are with former Panthers defenseman uh, Ed Jovanovski. We've been talking about the 96 playoffs. Um, so you, you win, uh, you know, against, first of all, Boston. And by the way, I looked it up. There were 40 penalties I don't know if you knew this. I remember the game. Game two at the Miami Arena. Tons of fights and misconducts. Do, do you remember the games against the Bruins that year getting that nasty? Because you had a couple of fights, by the way, or at least one. I, I, I think if if I'm not wrong, I fought Rick Tockett okay. that game, and I was just like, I'm, he hit me with so many lefts. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Rick Tockett is, I mean, he's a goal scorer, but he can fight, but... Um, I don't remember it, uh, remember it that closely, but I knew that it was a rough series. Um, they're a team-heavy kind of set team, really tough in the corners, and um, it was a great matchup for, for us in the first round, really prepared us kind of moving forward. So you beat them in five games. You play Philly. People may forget, and you mentioned Dave Lowry. Uh, the Flyers led the series two games to one. Lowry scores. You got an assist on that goal, by the way, the overtime winner in game four. And then in game five, you go back. That was at the Miami Arena. And I remember Joe Rose and I left that game early because we had to wake up for the radio show, and that was the whole radio show. How the heck do you leave a playoff overtime game early? But Joe Rose and I did that in, in truth. But then you go up to Philly at the Spectrum and win game five and double overtime. Um, was the belief really starting to take hold? Because, you know, you're down two games to one to the Philadelphia Flyers. That's that's a pretty tough spot. Yeah, I think the playoffs, you you just never know. I, I think you got to stick with your guns and, and and play your game and, and see where it takes you. But I think, um, you know, for us, we were always a team kind of coming from behind. Uh, we'd always find ways – uh, to get that big save, to have that big penalty kill, um, and find find ways to to be patient and not panic, and I think you know that's a tough trait I think to you know to you know to learn, you know because a lot of times you, you you get that 
you know, feeling that you got to get it done right away. You start pushing and then things just unravel from there. So for us, I think we were a team that always believed in our abilities, always believed that at the end of the day, we can find a way to win. And we did that in that series. I mean, it was, I remember going into that spectrum. That place was a loony bin. I mean, it was crazy. So um, nothing better than winning on the road and in the playoffs. It's just not a better feeling. Then you win game six at home at the Miami Arena to close it out to go on to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, through all of this, John Van Beesbrook is just playing at a, at a whole different level. Um, what was it like in that dressing room at that time when you've got the guy in, in the Beezer doing what he's doing and you pretty much know, I mean, you get probably three, but even two, you're probably going to win the game. Right. We didn't, we didn't need many when he was just at a level of insanity. I mean, this, I mean, he was, he was really, I mean, some of the saves that he, that he made um, really gave us a chance. I mean, goalies do give you a chance to, to, to find ways to win. And not too long ago, Beezer was in town and, and we played some golf and we were kind of look, going back and going through and, and even for him, he's not your, your, your typical, you know, well, I guess, you know, the other way, he's probably one of those goalies. Um, you never, you didn't say a word to him. He was kind of in that zone and game day, he was, you know, in another zone. I don't know what planet he was on, but he, he was, he was focused and, and ready to do his job. Um, not like nowadays. I mean, you got goalies playing soccer before games, kind of, kind of getting loose, staying with it. And, um, so he was definitely, you know, for me looking at a guy with his preparation, um, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I was told when I first got in with the team in those years doing the radio pregame show, whatever you do, don't look right. at Beezer on game. Like, not, not talk to him. Don't even look at him. Just, just go the other way. So to put this in perspective, especially for some of our younger listeners, the 96 Penguins had Mario Lemieux, played 70 games that year, scored 69 goals and 161 points. Yarmir Yager was on that team. 62 goals, 149 points. And oh, by the way, Ron Francis had 119 points. And Peter Nedved had 99 points as a defenseman what were you guys thinking about um what was the thought process going into a series against really one of the best offenses in nhl history and i'm assuming at the time you even knew that yager and lemieux were two of the best players ever for sure i think for us going you know beating philly coming up so now we've overcome one hurdle we beat boston now we're heading into philly um we take care of them in six and now we're heading into Pittsburgh with this long list of, of future hall of famers that are on. I don't, I don't know if we knew any differently. We were going in there. We weren't changing anything. We were going in there playing hard. We knew we had a hot goalie. We're going to ride him right to the end. Um, and what is the storyline in, in that series is timely goals. I mean, found ways to, uh, to get it done. Uh, looking back now, I remember leaving the igloo, winning that game, heading to Colorado. And I'm like, what the hell did we just do? <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was crazy how that how we got that job done. But it was one of those, you know, series that you just never knew. Bill Lindsay says, if the rules were now, no way you win that series because he said he was just like on the back of Mario and Yager and just blanketing them. How so? You're on the ice. 
How? Because those guys, they both scored Lemieux and Yager a goal in game two. They beat you in game two. They did not score again the rest of the series in five games. How did you do that? And did you notice, do you remember the frustration for those guys when they were on the ice? I remember Rhett, um, and I don't know, I think, I don't know who his partner was at the time, but I know for me personally, it was it was a series that I didn't have my best series in um, because the, the the speed, kind of the, the really skill level, I was just coming out of a series where me and Biggie were just kind of going toe-to-toe. I was, who was going to fall? And we were just smashing in each other. So I was in that mindset going in that series. I'm going to kill Mario. I'm going to kill Yager. I'm going to run these guys over. And, you know, they were a tough, skilled team to play against. And whoever played against those guys really frustrated them. And we found ways to, you know, to take care of them defensively. I mean, these guys are so skilled that they're going to get their opportunities. Um, But we had Beezer making the saves and... Um, it got us to the to to the finals. Before we continue on that series, let's go back. How did it start with Lindros? Um, what was said between you guys on the ice? Because that is still, you know, you go back and look at the highlights, which you know a lot of Panther fans I think do to Jovanovski against Lindros in those playoff games in '96, and some of the collisions just wow. <laughs> yeah, there was like 500 pounds kind of going, uh, crashing into each other. I, I don't know. I didn't know any differently. I was a teenager, um, looked up to Big E. I mean, this guy was a number one overall pick. Um, we all knew his story. Um, he was a tank on the ice. And for, for a kid that was 210 pounds going after a guy that's 240, 250 pounds, it felt good. I'm the, you know, but it was, um, for for me, it was just so much fun. I mean, I'm playing in, in the NHL. I'm I'm playing on Hockey Night in Canada now. Now the games are nationally, you know, broadcasted back home. Um, I was, you know, in a zone that where I'm wherever I can make a, a difference to help our team win. Um, I'm going to do that. Um, so it was um, it was fun. I mean, it was a great time, and I look back, and you get chills thinking about it because you, you're just, like I said earlier in, in the podcast, you know, eight years prior to that, I'm just beginning this sport. You know, so now now I'm in the spectrum of getting, you know, batteries thrown at you in the, in, in, in the, uh, in the penalty box. Um, it was a crazy environment, and to experience it was, was great. We're continuing with Eddie Jovanovsky. Um Okay, so in that Penguin series, again, you're down 3-2. And I remember this, you're down halfway through game six. You're trailing. And I'm like, all right, you know, party's over. You know, the little team that could is running out of gas. Bill Lindsay scores to tie it. And you never trailed again the rest of the series. Do you even remember trailing 3-2 in that series to Lemieux and Yager and thinking, how are we going to get out of this? Or was this team just riding such a wave that you always had the belief? I remember trailing three to two in that series, um, and obviously t- tying it up. But I can't give you details on. on I, I know Tommy Fitz had a had a big goal. Um, he had the winner in Game Seven in the third, right? Right. So you know that's that's what I remember. I remember our flight 
to Denver. And I'm like, is this possible what I'm witnessing on this plane? Cigars. And I don't know if we celebrated too early. I don't know. But it was, I, I mean, at, at the moment, we, we deserved, you know, we, we won the Eastern Conference Championship. Um, we deserved to have a little bit of fun. Um, you know, we had a couple days, obviously, heading in, 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 into the – so we enjoyed our time on the flight to Denver. And I remember we packed. We packed leaving South Florida, heading to Game 7 in Pittsburgh, like we were spending the next five, six days in Denver. So we already believed that, that we can get this done. And it happened and got to experience it. Incredible stuff. All right. I just want to get in before we let you go, Joe, a couple of coaches. First off, playing for Mike Keenan in Vancouver. Um, how did you get along with him? Um, and what was it like playing for Keenan? And maybe what it was like for some of your teammates playing for Mike Keenan? Because not everybody, uh, you know, could play for a guy like that. Uh, Goldie, I, I'm not sure if I just want to tell the listeners that I played for, for uh, Mike for two games. I got traded to uh, Florida in January 99. Or sorry, to Vancouver, January '99. I met the team. I got traded at 6 p.m. That Brian Murray, like Brian Murray called, said, "Jovo, we traded you to Vancouver." I'm like, "Really, Brian? I have six month old." And um, so whatever that that next morning, 6 a.m., I took a flight to Dallas. Uh, we had a back to back Dallas, Nashville. Then it was the All Star break. So landed in Dallas, played the game. We won 5-2. I remember played 29 minutes. Back, <laughs> that, that's Keenan for you. Back-to-back, <laughs> back, we go into Nashville. Uh, we win. I play like 28 minutes. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be good. And, you know, as a young kid, you want to you play. Um, and you hear all the stories where Iron Mike, he tries to get his guy and he, you know, tries to develop him into, you know, the player that he wants. Um he lost his job in Vancouver, and we brought in Mark Crawford, um, and I had Mark for for God for six, seven years there in Vancouver. What was it like um, with him? Because he coached Colorado in '96. Did you guys ever talk about that Cup series? Did it take a while for anybody to even bring it up and even joking around? <laughs> yeah, I think he brought it up, you know, once in a while when he, he had a couple beers in him, but. <laughs> Other than that, he he was he was such a high intensity coach that um, you look back now and I don't think coaches you get away with a lot of things that were um, were set on the bench or or whatever. But uh, he was he was definitely um, like I said, a very high intense coach. Really knew the game, um, hated to lose, and we had some good teams in Vancouver. Just. You know, at the end of the day, we would score six goals, but we led in seven. Were you surprised to get traded? I know you had heard, you know, there were rumors out there, and but we, what was it like being traded from from the Panthers? Well, it, it was it was tough. I mean, this was a team I was drafted uh, to, and I felt that you know, three and a half years into your career as a young defenseman, I think that's the time you're kind of coming into your prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have known because. A couple months prior to that, we had our West Coast swing, and we were in Vancouver, and I came out to watch Vancouver skate, morning skate, and Gar Snow came around, stopped at her bench. He's like, hey, Jovo, 
what number do you want? (laughs) So I'm like, what are you talking about? So, you know, fast forward to January. I think that trip was in November around that time. And um, sure enough, at uh, January, um, I get traded, can't get traded any further away. Um, So it was tough there. I'd moved the family. Um, It rained for like 18 straight days when I got to Vancouver. So I'm like, God, I went from sunshine to the suicide capital of the world. Final thing for you. We've gone long with Jovo here, but I hope everybody's enjoying it because some great insight and great stories. Uh, Speaking of coaches, Wayne Gretzky, what was it like in Arizona and Phoenix Coyotes at the time playing for Wayne Gretzky as coach? It was great. I had a, a... uh, previous relationship with Wayne for him picking me for the O2 uh, Olympic Games in Salt Lake. So um, when I had uh, the opportunity in free agency to kind of, you know, obviously explore my options, um, you know, Phoenix at the time had a veteran team. Obviously things didn't work out the way um, I'd like to have, but having the opportunity to play for, for Wayne was a, was a neat experience. For a guy that... You know, has achieved everything in the game and has all the records. Um, his passion to get players better um, w- was unbelievable. And I can see as a young kid for when he was playing, he had that same passion towards a guy like Bodker, Kyle Turris, these guys that he wanted to play a lot. Um, probably weren't ready, you know, to have that such a prominent role in the league. But, it, yeah, at the end of the day, it's Wayne Gretzky. Um, you're playing with him. You're you're around him every day. Um, you know, so it was, you know, just one of the guys, though. He just He's just one of the guys that, you know, hockey has, has brought a lot to his life. And he wanted to kind of go that other avenue on coaching and, and trying that, but it was it was an unbelievable experience seeing him on a daily basis. Finally, a prediction, if you will, for this Panther team this season. I, I think th- this year for sure, this team is a playoff team. I think with the acquisition of some goal scoring that you know that they got um, is is, is going to help. Um, uh, and talking about Hoffman, obviously, I, I, and I think with with the younger guys, are a year better. Obviously, obviously, Barky is, you know, probably the one of the top three two way guys in the league. Ekblad taken took a a big step last year, had a better year. Um, you know, Hubie's, you know, on track. Um, I, I think there's the team has done it right. They kept their own kids through the draft and adding pieces here and there, and I think everything just got to come together. But I do look back last year. I remember when the team had home game. I think it was Ottawa-Montreal on a Tuesday-Thursday night, and they lost both games. So I think the games that are and like for, for teams, when teams are below, you got to take care of these teams. I know the parity is so good in the NHL that you never know on – what night, what team's going to show up. Um, but they were close last year. Um, I'm sure it was a sour taste at the end of the year. Uh, no one likes to watch the playoffs. But I think, uh, I'm sure the management and the fans are expecting big things out of the team. Jovo, thanks a lot. We appreciate the time and the insight. All right, Goldie, anytime. Hey, that is Ed Jovanovsky on the Goldie on Ice podcast. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.